Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In fact, as a matter of fact, can we all stand to our feet real quick, very quickly? I have ministered in churches down through the years, and I have literally had to sing, okay? Because it's just there was no worship. That's not the case this morning. But I want to take a moment today and just continue our praise for a moment. Is that okay? Can we just right now, as a choir of praise, as a unified voice, can we, on that same vein, sing that chorus that just simply goes, God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. I'll sing that again, church. God is so good. Oh, yes. God is so good. Everybody sing. God is so good. He's so good to me. I like that part that goes, God answers prayer. Do you believe it this morning? God answers prayer. Hallelujah. God answers prayer. He's so good to me. Oh, can we take it just another step? And I will bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And I will bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy Oh my goodness, y'all sound so beautiful. This choir of praise sounds so good. Right now, can we put our hands together and just give Jesus the best praise of the hour? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated. Amen.
Now is the appointed time. You have bartered with me. You have discussed with me. You said, Lord, I will wait for the appointed time. But now my spirit speaks to you and declares, now is the appointed time. Quit running from me. You can't hide. You can't hide from my omniscience and omnipresence. You can't hide from my authority and my power. I encourage you. I cry out to you this morning. Now is the appointed time, thus saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord praise this morning for gifts of tongues and interpretation of tongues? Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. I believe Rodney Pike Church of God is finding their why. I believe Rodney Pike Church of God is finding their why. I believe that we're in an hour where the Lord is opening up doors evangelistically like never before. I believe we're right at the cusp of the church of Jesus Christ of experience an absolute flood and a flow of souls. I don't know about you, but I want to be right in the middle of this flood of souls that are coming in. And what I love about the move of the Holy Spirit is for decades, we have heard about revivals, we have heard about spirit outpourings, and they have contained it into, it's almost like the Holy Ghost has moved within what are called the established spirit-filled churches. But I believe what we're seeing right now is a true Acts last day outpouring. That the Holy Ghost is saying, I'm not being contained in the walls of Holy Ghost filled churches anymore. I'm not containing myself to the walls of Holy Ghost filled churches. And in fact, I'm going to move upon hearts that have snubbed their nose of my gifts and my movements and my presence far too long. I'm going to intervene upon these places where the devil thought he had. The devil thought he had college campuses for a long time. The devil thought he had them with his lies and his deceptions and his, his plans and his authority. But there's a promise the word of God gives that God can take what the devil constructs and fabricates and turn around for his glory. And I believe we're in the hour, church, where God is moving in such a way. He's moving in a powerful way. He's literally taking the structures of the enemy and turning them around for his glory and for his honor. Hallelujah. It's almost like we can't help but be unified in a movement like this. Bless God, I thank God when the Spirit of the Lord moves within church services. But sadly, what's happened in the Spirit-filled church, it's created almost a pride and a haughtiness and almost an opportunity to turn your nose at your pastor and say, well, God's doing it at the 4th Street Church of God. Why ain't he doing it right here? Is there something wrong with the Rodney Pike Church of God? But God's putting things in alignments. I'm telling you something, saints. God's putting things in alignment and say, my Holy Ghost is for no man's gain. My Holy Ghost is for my glory and for my honor and to be witnesses in a lost and dying world. 
Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. That was free. Praise the Lord. I'm excited. I'm excited about Jesus. I'm excited this morning. I'm excited. I don't know. It's you guys kind of look differently on Sundays. You know that? You know that you look differently the past few Sundays. You look differently. You look good. Amen. I can see anticipation. We're not, I, I don't see culture. I see anticipation in the house. I, I see excitement in the house. I see desire in the house saying, God, here I am. Take me, fill me, and use me. Amen. I got to share a quick testimony with you. Last Sunday morning, I took the opportunity and I shared in kids' ministries on Holy Spirit fire. And I, I told them, and we talked about what fire does, and they agreed fire spreads. Because I said, if you ever see a blowtorch or matches or a can of gasoline or a lighter, what are you supposed to do with it? They said, don't touch it. Don't run. Run, run away from it. Get away from that stuff. That stuff is dangerous. And I told them, I said, you know, God has a fire that we do want, though. I said, but it's not a physical fire that burns our skin. But it's a fire that gives us power to be his witnesses. And you want to know something? It's a fire that wants to spread. Amen. You didn't get the Holy Ghost for a worship style. Honey, you were baptized in the Holy Ghost to be witnesses and baptized in a fire that's supposed to be spread. And so we were talking about that. And here's what it led to. No, not every single child was laid out under the power of God and uh, nobody spoke up and gave a message in tongues in children's church. But I tell you what did happen is I had every child bow their head. And I said, if you're here today and you want to know more about the Holy Spirit's fire, would you raise your hand? And can I tell you just about every child in that children's ministry service, raise their hand. Revival's happening in the children too. Amen. Praise God. I'm excited about that. I want to start this morning off with a couple fun facts. Don't worry, I will be getting spiritual here in just a moment. I'm actually very glad we have children's ministries today because I would probably have to, uh, I would be nervous if my nine-year-old nephew was in the room because he, he, he has his sports trivia down. That boy knows his sports trivia. So I, I, might be, I might be sharing some things that he would maybe have to agree to disagree with his Uncle Micah on today. I remember being a young boy and there was a jersey that was very common. Actually, two I'm going to talk about today. It's very common to receive as uh, Christmas gifts and birthday gifts. One was by an NBA great by the name of Michael Jordan. People longed to watch him play, and I remember being in elementary school, and kids would go and do a layup. Any of my generation X and Ys who remember Michael playing, remember the signature move during his layup? What he would do is disgusting. He would hang his tongue out of his mouth. And kids would hang their tongue out of their mouths as they would attempt a so-called layup in the schoolyard. But I read something about Michael Jordan. I read some stats on him. 
He was voted five-time MVP in his career. He was voted six, he was six-time an NBA Finals champion. Six championship rings. If I have that wrong, please don't speak up, okay? I might have that wrong. But here was the kicker. He had scored a total amount of 32,292 points in his career as an NBA basketball player. There was another great athlete of my time that was extremely popular. His name, he was a quarterback for the NFL. His name was Joe Montana. He had 15 seasons of being an NFL quarterback. He had a total amount, they calculate your passing yards as a quarterback, 40,551 passing yards. He had a number of 34,009 completed passes. And understanding he had a lot of rules that were not yet generated in the NFL. There were a lot of, you know, rules that protect a quarterback that did not exist at this particular time. So to win a total of four Super Bowl rings in the era he played was absolutely uncalled for. But I want to share another statistic about another great hero. Many of us watched his crusades on television on Saturday nights. A man that truth be told, some if he was preaching a Wednesday night at some churches wouldn't be considered what you call a good preacher. You know, in the Pentecostal church, we got good preachers. He had over 58 years of ministry. His name was the Reverend Billy Graham. He had preached a total of 417 crusades in 185 countries and territories worldwide, reaching 84 million people face to face. Just in his in-person crusades, 84 million people. And it was said to believe that he had impacted 215 million people by satellite feeds. And I believe that may have been at one time. We just read about three different historic figures. We have read about people who have won championships. We have read about one man who, have, who has literally impacted many upon many upon many people Worldwide. In fact, one who's established ministry, though he is passing, his ministry is still very much alive with, with, with his sons and with those that are under him in ministries. They still have the Billy Graham ministries is still active today. We talked about a lot of greatness. We've talked about people who have had great accomplishments. Now to the human mind, these numbers seem completely and totally <coughs> infathomable. They seem completely and totally unobtainable. Sometimes the goal has a tendency to be extremely great. Sometimes the goal has a tendency to be extremely overwhelming. 
But can I give you a reassurance? Believe it or not, all to have a time machine and be a fly on this wall. But there was a time when Michael Jordan touched a basketball for the very first time. There was a time where Joe Montana had a football in his hands for the very first time. And yes, the great Reverend Billy Graham had to preach that notorious moment to all preachers called his first sermon. Oh, that time, uh, I was asked one time in a convention or I was in a room and they asked preachers to raise their hands and say, okay, how many remember their first sermon? We all raised our, most of us raised our hand. Then he goes, now how many in the room would like to forget their first sermon? Amen. Praise God. I had a lot of training. I was very blessed with my first sermon. Many preachers talk about that five-minute sermon. They went through their notes twice. But all greatness has to start with the very first step. All greatness and great goals have to start with the very first step. Isn't it hard to believe that all the big, huge corporate moguls at one time had to start somewhere? They said that the famous Colonel Standards lived in a kitchen for I don't know how many weeks till he finally figured out it was 11 herbs and spices that he needed. All the greatness starts at a very first step. It, I mean, isn't it so hard to believe that the McDonald's brothers had to say how much time does each side of the patty need before now they finally have two all beef patties, lettuce, sauce, all on a sesame seed bun. It all starts with that first moment of realization. And sad to say, big things sometimes are a result of a starting mistake. Somebody say amen in the house. There are things and inventions that are in this world today that all started by a mistake. But isn't it good to know today that God can take the mistake? Oh, God can utilize the mistake. Some of you all in the room this morning maybe even had parents that looked at you and said, you know what? You're my biggest mistake I have ever made. You're the worst thing that's ever happened in my life. But isn't it so good that God sits up in the heavenlies and says you are the apple of my eye you are the head you ain't the tail you're the blessed you're not the cursed hallelujah you're the favored and you're not the forgotten praise God God can take mistakes and turn them around. He can take mistakes and he can cultivate and he can form and he can shape and he can mold and make. Hallelujah. All the greatness starts with the very first step. I think one of the greatest examples, I think one of the greatest examples of first steps is none other than the very physical life of a human being. It's something how time has a tendency to pass. I sit in our children's ministries week after week, and I mean, I'm like, oh my goodness, I remember when half of these children were baby bumps. It's amazing how time would pass. 
How you remember getting the call that so-and-so was going into labor and now they're in children's ministries. And then, oh, what's really sad is when you start seeing them getting a certain eye for the opposite gender. When they start flirting around and talking, it's like you, you say, please don't slap Sally. You know he's not mad at Sally. He's got a thing for Sally. I don't know, you, you start seeing that flirting begin. But at the early stage of life, you will talk to parents when their baby gets to be about 10 to 12 months old. And they'll talk, tell stories about how, oh, they're crawling. Oh, they tried to stand up on their own feet. They're grabbing a hold of furniture. They can walk, but they need a little bit of help walking. They grab a hold of the couch. They grab a hold of the coffee table. They'll, I'll see them and they'll pull themselves up in their cribs. This happens at about 10 to 12 months old. But then something happens within the next six to eight months. That when a child gets to be about 16 to 18 months old, the story goes from, oh, they can hardly walk, they're getting anywhere. The story goes to, my child's into everything and I'm about to pull my hair out. Oh, I'll never forget a video of a little toddler that was very near and dear to me. His mother had made a very grim discovery. He was new at walking and she went back to his nursery room only to realize he had dumped out an entire box of cornstarch all over the place. The day had changed. In other words, they went from a wobble to a walk to a run. There was a development that began to happen within their life. You want to know something? At the beginning of this phase, there's something the children of God have to endure in a spiritual life. It's called the wobble phase. The wobble phase is due to a lack of understanding. It is a newness. It represents a new life and a new beginning. However, it says something. The wobble says the greater is ahead of us. That though we're facing the wobble phase right now, there is a greater, stronger day and a greater ability ahead of us. Praise God. I tell you what, I'm looking forward to meeting some people who are in the wobble phase. Oh, I'm looking forward to some Rodney Pike wobblers. Do I have anybody in the house that would say, you know what, Pastor Micah, I used to be a wobbler. I, I was a spiritual wobbler. I used to have to get a hold of things and walk a little bit. I used to have to text Pastor Ron and ask him to interpret this scripture. I used to have to get a hold of another brother or sister in Christ and I was about to fall, but somebody got a hold of me and held me up and said, you're doing it, you're getting it, and it's only gonna get better. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. I think maybe we need to look at new converts every once in a while. I believe in holiness and being upright. Quit telling about where they came from and start declaring where they're going. 
Start declaring to them where they're going, what's up ahead of them. Start declaring that the greater things of God are ahead of them. Start telling them that the greater revelation is ahead of them. Start telling them that the Holy Ghost baptism and fire is ahead of them. Start telling them as they grow, as they develop, they're only going to get stronger. It's not about where you come from. It's about where you're going. Hallelujah. In 1 Peter chapter 2, the first three verses of that chapter, they read and they say this. It says, Therefore, laying aside all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil thinking, Right there there in verse 1, it's this reflection and characteristics of what would be a former Christless life. But Peter goes on to write in verse 2, he says, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word of God. Okay, in this same manner that, that, that babes desire the pure milk of the wor- word that you may grow thereby. Okay, so keep growing. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Can I say something for just a second? I'd much rather be a baby Christian than an experienced sinner. Amen. I'd much rather be a baby new Christian than an experienced sinner. I'd much rather be somebody that's all, you you know, newly wrapped up, tied up in Jesus, snuggled all up with Jesus than I would an experienced sinner. See, the, the newness of things has a tendency to be somewhat of a would you say a stumbling block to somebody who is without Christ? It's almost, almost that of like a stumbling block of somebody that is with, I, I just can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. It's, it's interesting. I, I can't live that life. 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 You know what the problem is there? They're comparing themselves to people who are already past the wobble stage. I don't, I don't want to wobble. You know, I, I, I would much rather not wobble. It was interesting. Back, back when I was a young boy and my sister was in infancy and she was learning how to walk, we had a little bit of a storm. I don't want to go into it. She had taken a fall, broken a leg, and it was just... But I, I remember something my mom would do, and I know many of you moms have done it. She would put something off at a distance that Nerissa would have to go to and obtain. Without that. Now, now, the first reaction is you want to coddle somebody and you want to take that toy right to them. I remember this also when daddy's little girl was a baby. Uh, dad would hear her fret playing on the rug and mom would say, hold on, let her work it out. Let her figure it out. I think she's trying to reach for something. You let her figure out how to go grab that toy. That wobble stage is a sense of uncomfort and it can be so very discomforting 
But the wobble stage, as I said earlier, a few minutes ago, it represents the fact that an ability to walk is in the works. It's in the future. It's You're wobbling now. Oh, you're shaky right now. But what's going to happen is some months are going to go by and your ability to walk is going to have, you're going to start getting strength in your legs that you didn't have beforehand. You're going to learn that those things at the end of your legs are not just there for you to grab and play with when you're sleeping at night. They're there to keep you stable and to give you balance so that you can walk. Oh, but then there's also this other phase. You know what I, I love? I love the fact that Rodney Pike Church of God, we've got both kinds of bald in the house. Oh, y'all missed a really good play. We got both kind of bald in the house. We got the advanced age balding, and then we've got the new life balding. You know, we've got balding on that. Now that right there will preach. That's a sign of a unified church. If you've got little bald and then you got big bald. Amen. We got look at that bald head to high. Look at that bald head. <laughs> Hallelujah. I feel like one time I want to have a praise break and say, I want you to praise God to make your neighbor's hair stand up. If they're bald, make their scalp vibrate. Amen. But there's something with that development in time. There's something that begins to happen. It's, it's a bonding that begins to happen between a parent and a child in that particular phase. To where that parent has a desire to pull that child into that next phase. Speaking of which, I think it's getting... How old is baby Adam right there? Five months. Wow. Here, here, here in about three to four months, something's going to happen with his relationship with him and his mother. He's going to start picking himself up. He's going to start wobbling a little bit, but Heather's going to do something. Heather's not just going to let him pick himself up. She's going to put her mother hand out and she's going to have Adam grab that mother hand and they're going to start walking together. Do you see what's happening here? is that the early phase we may face a sense of discomfort, but there's a hand that the baby hand can rest into. It's called the mighty hand of God. And see, when the people of God get a hold of the mighty hand of God, we're going to face times where we wobble, where we weak, where we lack strength. But God's sitting up in the heavenly saying, don't worry about the wobble, I got this. He said, go ahead and take another wobble step there, brother. Go ahead and take another wobble step there, sister. I know it seems a little uncomfortable to where what begins to happen, we're pursuing God more and more and more and strength begins to rise up on the inside of us and in places where we were weak and vulnerable, we become spiritually stronger so much so that that wobble goes to a walk and bless God, that walk is gonna turn into a run. Oh my goodness. We ain't gonna stay in the wobble season because the hand of God is leading and he's guiding and he's directing. I mean, the hand of God is strengthening. One more time, can I 
ask you, saints, do you remember when you were in the wobble stage and the Holy Spirit prompted and laid upon your heart? Go ahead. Come on. Take another step toward me. Take another step toward me. Keep your hand in the mighty hand of God. And eventually, the legs begin to strengthen and your walk begin to strengthen so much throw that your wobble became a stride. The stuff that used to tempt you, you don't want anymore. The stuff that used to make you fall, you don't want anymore. The stuff you want to smoke and snort up and shoot up and all that kind of stuff, you don't want anymore. Because you said, God, your hand is upon me in the wobble phase. I believe it, God. I'm in the wobble phase now, but I'm not staying here for much longer. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But the word of God says in 2 Peter chapter 2, it goes on to say, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. He said, why right now, not only is there a wobble walking face, but there's also a milk face. I think I learned something about my roots a few days ago. Mom and dad were attending a church before they started pastoring and my mother had to make a very honest move with me in the nursery. She had to pull me out of the nursery because the dear sister was giving infant me Kool-Aid. She decided... Little Micah Bynum didn't just need milk anymore. He needed a little bit of Kool-Aid. Maybe that's the reason why I crave fruity, tutti-fruity drinks and sugary things because Sister, Sister Bailey, not the Baileys here, but Sister Bailey gave me Kool-Aid. But there's something the milk does for a baby. The list goes on and on and I'm not on any kind of a rant because I know that's one of the great debates and the debacles between the young mothers about how to feed your child. But scientifically, there's two things that a mother's milk provides for a baby that stuck out to me. One, they said it's extremely pivotal for brain growth. A growth in wisdom. And another thing it's pivotal for is for immunity growth, an ability to withstand. Hmm. So in other words, in order to get to the meatiness, you've got to go through the milk phase. And I'll be honest with you, the milk in the infancy phase is... Not possible, it's inevitable. But the first step taken, just the simple first step taken, is what leads to a life of growth and development. You want to know it's in all oh, it else is inevitable? It is inevitable that when the Spirit of God moves, new life comes forth 
spiritually. Don't tell me the Holy Spirit's moving if the sinner doesn't feel convicted. I know that sounds harsh. When the Spirit of God is moving, the unbeliever will be convicted. Mm. I tell you, I don't care if our services get so dry and laid back. If people are getting saved, that's the evidence of a move of God. I'm glad for the Pentecostal culture. Oh my goodness, I love the Pentecostal culture. I love the expressive worship. But my God, folks, it's all meaningless if the sinner is not being convicted. I mean, we can take all the Pentecostal P's and Q's out. Why? Because they're meaningless. The sinner's going to be convicted. That's why there is an inevitable need for the church to teach people how to progress out of spiritual infancy. New converts do not backslide because the church don't love them. I know we say that all the time. Church don't love new converts. Church, yes, we do. We just don't know how to get the new convert to grow past the infancy stage. Mm. Sometimes there is a lacking of understanding that there are things that need to happen to where a new convert can feel like they got a hand to get a hold of. I dare you, and I know, I know that I know pastors may be thinking about things to do with new converts, but I implore you, don't love bomb a new convert, but offer your texting number to a new convert. You tell them if you have questions about the word of God, questions about what, and you know what? Shame on the Pentecostal church for not being able to explain what is happening and being manifested in services. I hope people don't always come and understand what we're doing when we throw up our hands and say, Yanda Mahosotaya. And just say, you're just quenching the spirit. But let me tell you something, folks. When the runners and the walkers start putting their hands out to the wobblers, there's a transference of power that begins to happen because there's testimonies that hearts begin to be connected with to teach the new convert how to grow out of the wobbling stage. Oh, but you may be here this morning and you can say, Pastor Micah, I haven't let alone wobbling. I don't even know how to stand up right now. I don't even have the strength to stand. I'm so beat down, so away from God in my life. I don't even have the capability to stand up. Let me tell you, there's a hand that's reaching for you. There's a hand that's reaching out for you. There's a hand that says, come on, take a hold of mine. Come on, come on. Take, quit it, quit it. Quit trying to run from me. Come on, take a hold of my hand. Come on. 
Come on, take a hold of my hand. Come on, come on, come on. I don't care what condition your life is in. I don't care how bound up you are. I don't care how addicted you are. I don't care how long you've been away from me. I don't care how old you are. There is a hand that is ready for you to reach out and grab it. There is a hand that is ready for you to reach out and grab it. There is a nail-scarred hand that is ready for you to reach out and grab it. There is a hand that has already put sin upon his own back that is ready for you to reach out and grab it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But the journey, the journey, the journey seems tough right now. Oh, but honey, keep taking steps. Keep taking steps. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? Oh, but keep taking steps. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? Praise God. Praise God. Can you just give the Lord a hand clap for the truth and power of his word? If our praise team would come and help us. Oh, my goodness. You want to know something? That's why I think I was preparing this message. And that's why I truly believe. I truly believe without a doubt why we've got something in our spirit-filled culture and our heritage. It's how we want to run a little bit. I don't know. Maybe what's happening is the spirit man got reminded of the Early wobble phase. And all of a sudden that wobbling became running. Because of a deep and a perpetual and a continual pursuance of the Lord. And his will and his way. Right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, I ask you, God, I ask you, Father, to touch and encourage today. Can I be honest with you? I've been wrestling for the past few moments because frankly, it would be a little unorthodox. I appreciate, we don't want to focus. I think beautiful congregation this morning. The way I feel led to do this altar call today, I just feel I want it to start off with the body of believers, everybody that will come that is able to come, that is okay with coming, to just come and press in and come to this altar area. Can we do that? I know it's, I know we may have a little bit bigger crowd this morning, a little bit bigger congregation. Just everybody. We can take it all the way from wall to wall.
Come on, just comfortably. There's plenty of room. 